Welcome back to the All In Podcast. Pastor Tim Aiken here, pastor here at First Baptist Douglasville, joined again two weeks in a row by our uh, associate pastor of worship arts and communications, Pastor Logan Creasy. And uh, what we are doing is we're in the middle of this topic, talking about what it means to go all in with Jesus, his church, and his mission specifically as it relates to having correct theology, understanding of God's word and God's truth. And so we began... Last week, talking about the doctrine of the church, and we're going to continue that conversation uh, today. So I'm going to let Pastor Logan take over, and uh, we'll uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I encourage you if you haven't if you haven't watched last week's, go ahead and go back. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find it on our Facebook page. Go back and watch that. But really quick, yeah. uh, Pastor Tim, why don't you just kind of redefine, sum up what we talked about last week? We talked about what the church is, what the church isn't, uh, but just give a quick. Uh, kind of summary of a definition of what the church is and what constitutes a church, what takes a, a parachurch ministry or a Bible study and actually makes it a New Testament church. Yeah, so we said that uh, a, a local church is a committed community of regenerate believers, those that have confessed sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Then these regenerate believers, they are committed to the right preaching of God's Word, the right administration of the ordinances, which would be baptism and the Lord's Supper. They are committed to the mission of God, seeking and saving the lost. And then finally, they are under qualified biblical leadership. Mm-hmm. Great. So um, today what I want to do is really hone in on what a church member is, mm-hmm. right? The body is made up of individuals, but I want to kind of talk about the individual. How to how, and I want to do this in three three different ways. I'm going to give you all three questions, and then we can just okay. kind of march through them. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about who is a church member. Right. You know, so what defines a church member uh, specifically? And then two, uh, you can kind of put this as like the the how does one become yep. a church member? Right, at least within our context as, sure. as Southern Baptists, uh, how does one become a church member? And then three, what is it? Or what is the role of a yeah. church member? Why and almost really, you may even hit why church membership. Yeah, right. Why does it, you use the phrase all the time? Uh, membership matters. Yeah. So you know, one of the things that we've seen and we've talked about, and uh, is that we've gone as a culture. It seems, especially in the American church, in the past maybe fifty years or whatever, we've yeah. seen this shift from membership. Um, expectation, mm-hmm. responsibility, what it means to be a part of the body, yeah. engaging, all that stuff, to more of a membership privilege. Mm-hmm. This is what I get for being mm-hmm. a part of it, right? Yeah. Uh, and we hit on that last week. So uh, I want to hit those three things, you know, the who is a church member, yep. how does one become a church member, and then what is expected of a church member? And we'll yeah. just spend the rest of our time just marching through those. Yeah, so something you hit with is very important. Context matters. And so, you know, we have many people in our church that have grown up or they've been part of some Baptist churches for a long time, so they're mm-hmm. familiar with that form of membership. We've got others that come from different backgrounds. We are a Southern Baptist church, so that does mean that we view church membership in a specific way. And the way that we view membership, we hope and pray, comes directly from God's Word. But also, we lean on Baptist history, what Baptists have done historically. And so, before I jump into that first question, a key phrase to make sure that you understand, and we talked about it this past Sunday during our Sunday morning service, is the phrase regenerate church mm-hmm. membership. It's been said that regenerate church membership is the Baptist mark of the church. It's what distinguishes 
the Baptist church, really from most other churches. And again, that's the mm-hmm. idea. Gets into your first question. Who is a church member or what is a church member? It's an individual that has repented of sin and put their faith in the gospel. To use John 3 language, Jesus and Nicodemus, they are born again. They have been mm-hmm. regenerated. They've experienced the new birth. Uh, one reason we believe that is just simply the word church. The word mm-hmm. church is the word ecclesia. Ecclesia simply means the called out ones of Christ. And so if the church is those that have been called out of the world and called into faith in Christ, then it's just logical mm-hmm. that a church member is going to be someone that is regenerated. And so right. we believe this is what Baptists have taught, uh, really going all the way back until uh, even the, the Protestant Reformation. So you had the Catholic Church that became really the church in church history up until what's called the Protestant Reformation. You had some key church leaders, John Calvin, Martin Luther, a guy named Ulrich Zwingli, very instrumental, but they were called reformers for a reason. They weren't trying okay. to remake or start a new church. They were right. trying to reform the Catholic Church from within, some issues that they saw. But they still held to this idea of a state-governed church. The right. state and the church were together. And so when you were born, uh, you were then baptized as, a, as an infant. You were then part of the state-governed church. Well, you have this group called the Anabaptists, forerunners of the Baptists that show up, and they begin to read the Scriptures, and they begin to look at the Bible, and they begin to say, ah, we don't agree with a state-run church. We don't right. agree with this idea that you're born, baptized as a baby, automatically a church member. We don't see that in Scripture. So they are the ones that really began to push this idea of a regenerate church membership. And the Anabaptists were forerunners of what now we are as Southern Baptists. So really going all the way back to the 15, 1600, 16th century, this has been the Baptist distinctive. And so we're essentially not trying to do something new, not trying to do something revolutionary. We're trying to be old school. We're trying to go back to what we think Baptists have done. And again, just would encourage you to be familiar with our confessional statement of faith, which is called the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which lays this out very, very clearly. So you you may disagree with it, and that's okay. But just know that what we believe and what we practice has been what the Baptist Church has practiced for centuries. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So a church member is someone who has been born again, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we definitely all know that word, uh, that phrase in the Baptist Church. So, so how then, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned the Roman Catholic Church. They were, when you were born into the city, when you were born into society, yep. you were born in the church. Right. You know, that's why you, you had this pedo baptism or baptizing infants. Uh, but why why the in the Anabaptists started this what they called at the time uh rebaptism, right? right? Uh, so but if that's talk about now how one becomes a member. If it's not just by birth and sure. by infant baptism, what is it, right? Apart from the being born again, the regeneration aspect yeah. of it. What what else is there to it that actually causes somebody to be a church member. Yeah, and I think biblically and then baptistically, there have been at least two requirements that have been consistent in Scripture and consistent throughout church history. Biblically, you mainly get these from the book of Acts as the church is being birthed and the church is being founded and and multiplying. Then you see it in the epistles and the letters of Paul as well. But biblically and then baptistically, two main things. One, lack of better phrasing, would be what we call a gospel Testimony. So you see in, in, in Acts chapter 2, specifically verses 37, 38, Peter pre- preaches this incredible message at Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit. 
says those that are there, they're cut to the heart. And then they say to Peter, hey, what must we do to be saved? And so mm-hmm. Peter tells them, verse 38, repent. And then he says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, what are they believing in? They're believing in Jesus, then they are baptized. And so you see right. there even in Acts 2.38, this idea of repentance, and then you see this idea of of baptism. You even see Jesus, Mark 1.15, he says, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe in the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. So we understand the first mark is this idea that an individual understands their sin and they have the ability to profess faith in Jesus and to right. articulate a gospel conversion. So we look for that. Second is believers' baptism by immersion, which again, we see in the scriptures, even again in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, says that 3,000 souls were added to the number. They were baptized, and then immediately, very next verse, verse 42, they are, they are acting as a local church. And so we believe believers' baptism by immersion, the act of being baptized in the water, coming up out of the water, symbolizes our unifying, our identification, our union in Christ, our confession to Christ. And again, historically, it has been a prerequisite at least in Baptist churches, and again, everybody can disagree, but again, just historically, Baptist churches have said baptism by immersion is a prerequisite to church membership. So we'd say those two things. Now, because of that, every church and every culture has to determine how do you go about determining someone's gospel testimony? How do you go about right. determining? So I can't peer into Logan's heart and tell that Logan's a believer, yeah. right? So what we do at our church, just very practically, is we have a class that we call First connection. That's where we sit down once a month. Anyone that wants to become a member, we sit down. I present to them some very significant information about our church. Then we sit down and we have a conversation, a church member with a a prospective church member, right? Mm -hmm. And we ask them a couple questions. One, tell us about your faith story. Tell us about how you became a Christian if you are. And it's not a trick question. All we're looking for in that conversation, repentance of sin, and believe in the gospel. We have to take their word for it, but we're looking for them to be able to articulate that. Secondly, in that class, we then ask, okay, have you been baptized? If so, tell us about that. What did that look like? What was that experience like? And and when did that happen? And what was the mode? And all those kinds of things. So that we're doing our due diligence the very best that we can to make sure that we have a regenerate church membership. Again, Sometimes regenerate church membership is called is just simply called a believer's church. Okay, right. we've got believers in our church, and so that's the way we do it. And then finally, as we get to our third question, and I won't leap there too quickly, but mm-hmm. we then have them sign a church covenant, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But that is them covenanting together with us uh, in membership. Right, and I think it's important to remember too, like we we as Southern Baptists, we we believe that baptism is not re- required for salvation. Correct. Right. However, um, and you, you know, you may have people who would argue, okay, well, if it's not choir, if they're, if if it's not required for salvation, then why is it required for church membership? And I think it's important to remember that, like, if you if you study the early church in the New Testament and, and Paul and, and Romans chapter six and other texts like that, they don't separate those three things. Correct. There's not a separation of regeneration, baptism, and belonging to the, right. the local church, the right. body. That's all this holistic. Right salvation right. process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we separate that a lot, but uh, I mean, do you agree? Is that is that correct? Absolutely. In absolutely. I think it's important for Christians, especially for us as Baptists. One time I was talking to a very prominent uh, pastor uh, of the Christian church, okay? And historically, the Christian church has believed that 
baptism is part of the salvation uh, mm-hmm. process. And he said very clearly, he said, for you as Baptist, baptism for you is a profession of faith. And that's exactly what it is. So often we try to separate those and we say, oh, right. my child professed faith in Jesus. No, your child became a Christian. Baptism is that public profession. That's that public marking out right. that now they belong to Christ. And so that's why we say it's important and a requirement for church membership. Right, which is, is dangerous. You have a, a close uh, a close friend who's a pastor, used to be a missionary, who shares a story about a friend that he, when he was a missionary overseas, uh, constantly witnessed to that was martyred because he was... Uh, he was baptized in an open square. Sure. And and so in America, it's this sweet family moment, yeah. which it should be, yeah. but overseas, like, it's a profession that means something. It's, yeah. it's very important. Yeah. Now, it, here, we give you a nice T-shirt, we take beautiful <laughs> pictures of you, right. and, and, it, and grandparents come out, and it's fantastic. I baptized my three oldest. It's wonderful. You baptized one of yours. I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's an incredible experience, but it's very different when... You're almost going to be marked out for death in other places, and that's how it was in the other church. And so that's why baptism right. is such a significant uh, piece, and it ties you to God's to, to Christ's body. Yes, church. I think that's the important thing. It's not just our confession of faith with Christ; it's also our confession and and our um, connection to the body. Yeah. We are saying these are our people. This yeah. is our new family. This is my family. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So let's move on to the to the last one. Then so. I remember at a church I, I formerly served at in the gym area when I first when I first got there there was a sign that sat on the front desk as you walked into the gym, and they had ping pong tables and all that so, you know basic recreation yeah. center, and I remember walking in and the the sign read for church members only, and we started a, a conversation amongst the pastors and started realizing, is that really what we want to be known for? It, are our facilities, does our church, the building, mm-hmm. uh, exist for membership privilege, yeah. or is there an expectation of membership? You used this past Sunday the Sam's Club illustration, yeah, right? Yeah. You're a member of Sam's Club, you pay your dues, yeah. you get these privileges, yeah. right? Discounts yeah. and bulk and yeah. having to rent a U-Haul to get all your groceries yeah. <laughs> home and all this stuff. But really, let's talk about what church membership really is. What is expected of church membership, um, and why should we do it? Yeah. Why does it matter? Yeah. So really think in these categories. So we, we talked this past Sunday in the sermon about essentially a local church. It's not a social club that you join. It's a covenant community, or you could use the word covenant family that you are committed to. Mm -hmm. So again, kind of going back even to our initial question about church membership, really it wasn't until about the 19th, about the last century, okay, that uh, especially in the American church, specifically the Baptist church, that churches have just gotten away from high expectations of members to more of a consumerism of of church growth and the question of, of, of church membership. And the question has been asked, why? The answer is simple. It was a desire for church Growth. Now, I hope there was a desire there for conversion and salvation. Mm-hmm. I'm a little skeptical. I think it was a desire to have more and more people, larger buildings, larger budgets. And so that's why for many years, churches did not talk about how many people they had on a Sunday morning in attendance in Sunday school or in service. They talked about their membership role. Well, when you begin to compare membership role to 
membership or people that were attending the service, huge disparities. Remember, there's right. a incredible pastor that I love and one of my favorite heroes named Adrian Rogers. And so Adrian Rogers was the pastor for many years at Bellevue Baptist Church. Well, they used to, uh, not necessarily him, but people used to talk about Bellevue, 26,000 members. Well, Bellevue probably ran at its highest, 8,000 on a Sunday morning. Well, where are the other 18,000? You right. know, they're not all on vacation. They're not right. all in the military. Where where are they, right? And same is true for here. Over 4,000 people on the membership roll, pre-COVID, good Sunday, 700 people. Well, where are the other 3,300, right. where are they, right? right? And so membership, church membership is not consumerism. It's not coming to get the goods for the week. It is a commitment to a family. There's expectation. And again, thinking back to the local church, in the local, thinking back to the New Testament church, the New Testament church in Ephesus and in Philippi and in Corinth, let's take Corinth as the best example. Paul shows them in Corinth, to our knowledge, there's literally no church in the city of Corinth, no church. Mm-hmm. So if you become a Christian and you want to associate with Christians, you can't go to First Baptist Corinth, Second Baptist Corinth. They're, they're not there. Right. There is one church in Corinth, right? And to yeah. associate with that church was a very big deal. Now we live in a culture where I'll go to the church where I like the preaching. I'll go to the church where they got the best programs for my kids. I'll go to the church that's got the best uh, singing. I'll go to the church where they let me bring coffee in the service, whatever it is. That's not what a church is. That may be what an American church is. That's not what a church is at its root and its core. So... We as a church here at First Baptist Dutch, we have expectations for members. Sam's Club has expectations for you. If right. Sam's Club has expectations, and if your employer has expectations, and if your kid's school has expectations, and your kid's ball team has expectations, why would the greatest organization ever made, divinely made by God, mm-hmm. divinely purchased and bought by Jesus, not have right. expectations? Right. And again, Jesus lays out expectations for followers of Christ in Matthew 16, in Luke 9, this cost of discipleship, this willingness to lay down our life. And so for us, as a church, we really have five expectations of a member. Number one, that you will attend the corporate gathering regularly. We're mm-hmm. told in the scriptures that we are able to stir one another up to love and to good deeds by being gathered together. We're not to neglect the assembling together, Hebrews 10. So regular worship tense. Number two, faithful giving. Okay, being a consistent, a cheerful, a generous giver, funding the mission, funding the discipleship, being part of the family. Third, a commitment to service. So not coming in, occupying a pew, right. not even mentally occupying a, a, a seat in a Sunday school classroom, but actually getting your hands dirty with ministry in some capacity right. to be part of the family. Uh, number four, a commitment to being discipled, namely through a small group through a Bible study, through a Sunday school class. So some way where you're in a smaller group, especially the larger the church, and you know this well, the more significant small groups are, so Mm -hmm. you can make the church smaller. So being discipled by studying the Bible together with other believers. And then finally, a commitment to being a disciple maker, a commitment to you yourself engaging in the mission of God. Now, hear me. We're, 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 We're very lenient and very grace-filled in all five of these areas, but there is an expectation. And so the way that we do that is we have you sign a church covenant, and I just literally walked you through our church covenant. Mm -hmm. Those are the five expectations we put in our church covenant. And at the top, we say that you affirm our doctrinal beliefs. Our doctrinal beliefs simply being the Baptist faith and message, the non-negotiables of the Christian faith, the first level, first tier uh, uh, issues and so that's expectations that we'd have for a, a church member. 
Yeah. I think that's really good, man. So, so who is a church member? Someone who has been born again, regenerate, um, truly united to Christ through faith, um, become a local member or a member of a local Southern Baptist church uh, through either a baptism by immersion or through um, a testimony of, you know, we, we won't get into, I I think there's probably a lot of people who are curious, what is a letter? You know, what does all that mean? But we won't, we won't get into that, but you know, you, you, you're united to the local church through your confession of faith in Christ, through uh, baptism by immersion, and then we've talked about a little bit about member expectations. Anything else you want to kind of throw out there as we wrap yeah, up? Yeah, so I'll kind of wrap up with a couple things. One, uh, just speaking about what our church has done historically, again, we've been a church since 1875, always been a Southern Baptist church, so we've believed these things. Now, uh, history cha- uh, culture changes over time, world right. changes over time, and so you've got to kind of adapt your methods. Um but you can look back in church minutes, you can look back in church bulletins, and you can see a high expectation of members historically in the life of our church. We're mm-hmm. just trying to bring that back. Secondly, under the incredible leadership of Dr. Pinkton, who's my predecessor who served here 27 years, longest tenure pastor in our church's history, unbelievable pastor. The way that he went about helping people join was he met with them in their homes and heard mm-hmm. their stories and heard their baptism stories. And then so on a Sunday morning, after knowing them and meeting them, they'd walk in out and, and join. Cultures change. People don't really like you to visit their homes right. like that anymore. So that's why we've added First Connection, essentially the same type of idea that Dr. Pinkton had, just a different format mm-hmm. uh, for doing that. And then the final thing I would just say, because I believe, according to the Scriptures, that God's going to hold me and hold our pastors accountable for how we have shepherded the sheep under our care. And if your name is on our roll, we consider you one of our sheep. But there are about 3,000 sheep that we have. I don't know where they are. I don't know who they are. I've not met them. I don't know where they are in the relationship with Jesus. And so we as a church, we are in the process this year of moving to regenerate or what you want to call it, covenant church membership. We've already had several hundred people since uh, April of 2018 join our church through that. If you were a member prior to that, you've not necessarily signed uh, the church covenant, but we're going to be moving there this year, maybe even into next year to make sure that our membership role reflects the best that we can believers, a believer's church, a regenerate church membership. And so we're looking forward to having these conversations with these individuals. Pray that many of them will, will come back. Many of them will, will grow. If you right. have been a member for a long time, and you've been committed to Jesus. We're just asking you to reaffirm it. We're not questioning you in any way. Right. We're just asking you to Reaffirm your commitment to Jesus. Reaffirm your commitment to uh, His church. And again, if 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 signing my name on something is what I have to do to affirm my love for Jesus, I'll, I'll sign that piece of paper every right. single day. Yeah. And that's all we want people to do. And so that's where we're moving as a church. While this conversation is so significant, it's so important, and I believe it's going to be practical moving forward. As in the as in America, the American church, American Christians become more and more attacked, more and more marginalized. Are we going to commit to Jesus or are we not? Church membership is a biblical and baptistic way in which we do that. Right. We can't commit to Jesus without committing to his church. That's right. So it's really good. Man, anything else you want to say as we wrap up? I'll give a quick plug. April 11th is our next First Connection. So if you are uh, interested in learning more about our church or becoming a member here at First Baptist, uh, April 11th, directly after our worship service, we'll have our next First Connection. Yeah, class, no, so. it's just such a joy. Uh, for Logan and I to be one of y'all's pastors. We love this church. So thankful this church, faithful church, and 
thankful to be able to talk about uh, these things and to help us think through our theology. So I, I want to end with the two-minute drill, so I'm going to take back right. over. Ian, with two-minute drill, he doesn't know these questions, hasn't seen uh. any of these, and so just it's just a chance for you guys to get to know Logan, perhaps his family, a little bit better. And so Sweet Wife Melody, four kids, such a gift to our church. So I'm just going to write them off, try to take about two minutes, and then we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up from there. All right, question number one, Pastor Logan, if you could take Melody, no kids, just you and her, money's not, money's not an issue, anywhere in the world, on vacation, where would y'all go? Oh, dude, uh, probably either V, maybe Vienna. Okay, like we 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 would probably do like the beautiful mountains cottage up in the up in the mountains of Vienna or something like that. Maybe northern Italy. She loves Italy too. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Very good. Uh, favorite sports team. So that had to be one particular favorite sports team of all. If you could pick one sports team, who is it? Oh goodness. I mean, I'll say Atlanta Braves. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. I was a baseball player my whole life. Uh, my football teams just—they, I die a little bit inside every year. <laughs> so, but, but the Braves—I mean, they're going strong. They're doing good, and yeah. they have my my whole life. I was I was born in '83, so I was like 10 years. I was a kid when they were really good. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say the Braves. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, no one really wants to be a Tennessee Volunteer fan right now. So yeah, that's no, right. no. I mean, I am. I, I've tried to leave them, but I just can't. Yeah. Yeah. What position did you play in baseball? I was a pitcher and a catcher. Obviously not at the same time. Okay. But, All right. Favorite kind of music, Christian music, does not count because we don't want you to be spiritual. Favorite kind of music? Okay. Favorite kind of music. I mean, I, I like rock and roll. I like, okay. you know, um, I'd say some of my one of my favorite bands is a band named Manchester Orchestra. Uh, just that. It's not grunge. It's not. I, I don't know how to say it. I mean, it's just rock. I, I play electric guitar. I love electric guitar. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Very good. I, I'm not a fan of country. Sorry. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite country artist? Have you picked one? Do oh, you Garth one? Brooks, hands Garth down. Brooks. Okay. All right. Oh yeah. Now I will listen to Garth Brooks any day of the week. I, I I can enjoy country, but if I'm getting in the car and I'm turning on something I want to listen to, it's not going to. Do you have be a favorite that. Garth Brooks song? Uh Either the uh, can I give you a couple like yeah. either the dream or the river okay um, and then ain't going down to the sun comes up okay that was right. pretty good mine's, too. mine's beaches of Cheyenne I like that one but right. uh, very good all right we'll get a little spiritual now for a minute all right favorite uh, favorite book of the Bible favorite book of the Bible Romans okay uh, I can even give you the chapter Romans eight <laughs> okay very good so, all right do you have a favorite uh, Bible character Bible hero oof. Man, I can't really say that I do. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a good one. That's pretty good. I, I know some people would say Peter or, you know, some people would say Paul. Man, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I've okay. never really thought about that. All right. Very good. Last last question. I like to end on this one. I've been asking this one lately. Serious question, really is. So when you're dead and gone, hopefully we hope many, many years from yeah. now, but when you are dead and gone, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to say about you? Uh, that he loved Jesus, and he helped other people love Jesus more. Okay. So, I mean, I'm a worship pastor not because I like to sing or because I like music. I like to see people enjoy Jesus yeah. above other things. Yeah. So, you know, what stirs me and what drives me more than anything is seeing people drink from the well that truly satisfies, mm. put put away the things that can't satisfy. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's what worship is. Yeah. It's being satisfied, 
in Jesus with your whole person, your yeah. mind, body, soul, strength, everything committed to Jesus because you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good. Mm. And we gather, to bring back the church discussion earlier, we gather to remind each other that the yeah. Lord is good and to to taste Him and to, and to see that. So, yeah, just someone... I, he helped me love Jesus more. Yeah, very good. Well, great answer, and I'll end, end with this. So when we were looking for a worship pastor, we wanted a pastor first, someone with a shepherd's heart, pastor heart, someone that met the qualifications, someone that desired to be a pastor, and then just so happened to be gifted uh, to lead us corporately in worship, and, and Logan obviously embodies that in all of the, the right ways, and so it's why we... Love having him and his family here. So we're so glad. Thank you for joining us on the podcast the last two weeks. Thanks, man. So glad you guys joined us tonight uh, on the podcast. See you guys hopefully this Sunday, either in person or online. And then we'll see you guys next week on the podcast. Have a great week.